Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Women and Manufacturing. I'm Lydia DiLiello, the CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants, and I have the honor of hosting Women in Manufacturing this afternoon and to welcome our first guest of the year. So happy new year, everyone, Wendy Feldstein. And Wendy is the VP of Design from Crestron Electronics, a North American-based company that is also multinational. Wendy, welcome to the program. We're so pleased to have you. Well, thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. So Wendy, tell us a little bit about Crestron and about yourself and your progression in the company. Okay, well, <laughs> it depends how far back you want to go. It's a long story. So um, there's the professional story when I'm here for over 30 years, started out doing basic drafting in AutoCAD, and then by the end of the day, I had done three designs and drawings and things like that. Um, the department did everything from um, making the blueprints and, and working with purchasing to copy bill of materials for purchasing, as well as when the parts came in, going through and doing the quality control on them, what we call QC, and um, all of that stuff. And then later on in years, we were able to, I br we branched off a QC department and I was telling the guy, okay, you need these calipers and this and that. And even when they were doing QC, they didn't have um, radius gauges and um, and uh, hole gauges. And I started getting more equipment so we could do better. Um, and then as we evolved, um, I turned, I hired the first mechanical engineer into the department. Uh, it was just drafts people. And I was like, we need mechanical engineers. We need to up this department. And there were only about three drafts people, including myself, and then one circuit board um, designer. And so, um, oh, and then I was like, we can't have one, we need to have a backup. And so over the years, I started pulling in and developing. And then when we had like five good people and a manager that I hired specifically, so we could do that, I kind of launched them on their own department. Um, so so this is a family things. company, Wendy? This yes. is your company? So, um, so, so that's how I kind of got started and became, just kept working and doing more things over the years. But if I go in the Wayback Machine, when I was in first grade, my dad was fired. Um, and so he was unemployed and he had four kids. My brother was just born in a house with a mortgage. And uh, so he had to do something. So he started repairing anything he could in our basement and I remember they installed this phone. And back then you couldn't plug and unplug phones and move them around. It was like a dial phone. Sure. And it had hardwired. The phone company had to come and we were all like staring at it. And it was, we had a split level house. So it was in the basement. We were in the playroom looking down. And my dad's like, if the phone rings, do not answer it. You know, because back then, you know, if phone rang, you always answered of it. Course. Not like today where we just ignore them all the time. But um, so it would ring and we'd all open the door and kind of stare down and look at this phone ring like it was some magical bat phone or something. So um, that's how Crush On started with a yellow page ad saying repairing electronics. And so um, moved on from there. Then he he grew and expanded. And I remember... The day he was moving out to uh, this two rooms and a bathroom over the deli um, in Closter, New Jersey, and he, I, my bed would face down the hallway, and I was like, what are they doing? And I don't think any other kids noticed or paid attention, but for me, this was like intriguing. He's like, 
Lynn, Lynn, because that's what we call my mom sometimes. Um, and he's like, I, I need a roll of toilet paper. I, I need a comb. I need soap. I need, and in my head, I'm like, what is he making? What would you make if you combined those things? Or are you wrapping the toilet paper around the comb and dipping it in the soap? And then he's like, I need a scissor. I'm like, is he using the scissor to cut the toilet paper? So I'm just like this first grader trying to like picture this like Rube Goldberg machine that he's about to make or something out of all these weird things. Well, it turned out I, I need a pad. I need a pen. I need a this. I need a ruler. So she's running around the house finding like whatever we have and whatever nooks and crannies the house and he's taking it in and that's how the office started so uh he hired his first employee there and that guy used to carry uh my brother who's now the ceo of the company up the stairs because he was an infant my mom had to go somewhere and um we'd go to work i'd go to work in first grade um, I go after school and I bend resistors and capacitors over this little red form. And it was, they had the, the different millimeter, like five and six. And I was like, okay, I was five last year. Resistors go on five. I'm six this year. Capacitors go on six. And that's how I knew the spacing. Cause that's how you'd have to bend the leads. And then they'd go through a through hole board. And I was, I remember like, I'm going to help dad. And I was like, I'm going to get through this. I like, I finished the box. And then another box came. I was like, okay. I'm like, I finished the box. And by the sixth box, I was like, okay, I got to pace myself. <laughs> so even at that young of an age, you were already deeply involved in design and had an interest in engineering and um, development. So can you tell us a little bit about the breadth of products that Crestron offers? Sure. So um, we started out very simple with a fade dissolve slide projectors. If people remember that, it's where you would have, um, we didn't have video like you have today. Um, so if you were doing a presentation, you would show a slide and another slide would come in and, the, and it was a big, big deal not to go slide, slide, slide. It was a big deal. People would have like five or six projectors set up and they would have like somebody walking down the street and they'd have the soundtrack of like the sound of their feet. And you would see like it fade in and out as it went as like somebody walked down the street. So um, that was a big deal. Or you could to do a presentation and have a list of slides and instead of pulling them in and out of the slide projector, you could go to specific numbers or you could have it so it would do numbers in a certain order. So you didn't have, like if you wanted to reorder your slides for something, you just had to have them all in the carousel. Otherwise people would be picking them out and mm -hmm. looking at them and they'd go in upside down or backwards. And so this way it just created much more ease in the industry. And then um, he got involved with uh, this guy who was doing, uh, he, was, he was building and helping him design for audio video control. And then that guy went out of business. So my dad was left with all this equipment. So he was like, all right, we'll just sell it as Crestron. And so, because the guy gave him all whatever rights or whatever, when it went out. So he started selling this control equipment and the rest is history. So then once you give my dad something, and I guess I'm kind of the same way, we're going to improve on it and make it better. And and oh, well, that's a thing, but this also feature, oh, somebody said they want to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. And it just evolved and evolved. And um, then we were doing control systems. We had a software engineer for many years. Um, now we have many software engineers and um, we had some hardware engineers. And like I said, when I came in, it was all just drafts people and George doing, He's an, he was an electrical 
engineer by degree, but he was very mechanical. He grew up on the Lower East Side with no money, digging through garbage cans, pulling things out, building new things, going down to Canal Street to get parts. So years later, when I was in college, uh, I started out at University of Michigan my first year, but then I moved um, closer to my roots, I guess, back here. I went to Pratt in Brooklyn, where I have a bit of Bachelor of Industrial Design. So um, when I was there, I'd go to Canal Street and buy plastics and things and weld them together. And you you just got quite the education down there. I Sadly, I don't think it's the same anymore. I haven't been down in years. And you could find anything and everything in any part. So one day I go to a friend's house, like way out somewhere. Um, by that time, I had moved into Manhattan. I went to NYU for graduate school. I was at uh, the Tisch Graduate School doing um uh, masters of set design and art direction. I was only there for a year. I didn't finish it out and that, because I was like, I'm just, I've just got to work. I was like done with school at that point. I was like, I just got to work. And so I worked in that industry for several years doing different types of projects and different challenges and things like making a fake axe out of foam and making it look realistic and hanging it on the wall. And when they took it off, making sure it looked like it was faded behind there. So all those like little details I had to make sure like that's, I was like, well, when he takes it off the wall, it's going to look like it was new and it's supposed to look like it's a family heirloom. I have to like paint watercolor on your wall so I can wipe it off. So your mom's not mad at you after we use her house. You know? So different things like that, or, uh, creating um, an abandoned building in someone's basement by getting big pieces of cardboard that I could kind of lay around and then melt and make dirt all over so I didn't damage their house. So um, I got into that stuff. And then um, I had dinner. My parents came in the city and um, we went out to dinner and my dad's like, oh, we're hiring an entry-level drafts person. You want to come? Just learn AutoCAD. It's another skill because I was a little like done with the set design art direction world because I almost met a couple got on a union job and you had to get on a union job to get in the union it was this whole thing so uh, they hired somebody because they had a van and I had all the experience but they didn't want to pay to rent a van I was like I can drive a van they just didn't want to rent a van so um funny how life I, has serendipitous turns that that move us in a direction right but yet you're Clearly, your experience in the art world is what gives Crestron the ability to to create these new products for the commercial marketplace for audio and visual that are very appealing to the eye as well as very functional. So I think that that's a really neat kind of way that you have combined the two careers <laughs> or or the melded one in and used it for the other. How, how have you, with the breadth of experience that you have, Wendy, how have you seen women's roles changing and evolving <laughs> in design over the years? Because you, you have the benefit of having seen quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, what, do you see that, what do you see that's changing? I think that's great. Yeah, so, so here's the thing too, when we were kids, we would have to, we would work really hard because in our school, in our high school, if you got an A first quarter, second quarter, midterm, and then third and fourth quarter, you didn't have to take the final, you got exempt. And so we would work really hard to do that because if we got exempt, 
from all the finals, or at least a few of the finals, depending on when they fell. That week of finals is when Infocom, a big industry trade show would always happen. Now it happens earlier in June, but that back then it was a little later in June. And so we would go and we would um, go and have, uh, sorry, there's a, oh, okay, never mind. So we would go and we would have, um, we'd help at the trade show. So it was my mom, my dad, me, my sister, um, the one sales guy and the one secretary. And that's who would man or woman the booth. There were actually more women, but you know. And so we would go and my dad would be like, here's flyers, just lure people in you know, as they walk by the trade sure, show. Hey, you want to learn about this? Hey, you want to learn about that? So we'd stand there we, and then they'd ask some really technical question. And I'm like, oh, uh, you need to talk to him. You know? They're like, can it do this? And I was like, ah, uh, just a minute. <laughs> you know? So, um, so we did that. And so it was kind of fun. So when we would go around and we'd have a chance to walk around the trade show or check different things out. And, um, it was really funny when it was in Texas one year, they had the Dallas Cowgirl cheerleaders at one booth to lure people in. And you'd walk around and every single booth had scantily clad women, breasts showing, short skirts, or even if they were in an evening gown, it was low cut spaghetti strap with a really high slit in ridiculously high heels. And like these models they would hire to kind of lure men in, like men needed these sirens to lure them in. Like, isn't your product good enough? You know, and even at a young age, I was like, what's with that? You know, um, and the good news is <laughs> fine. And like, and you would see that start to fade a little bit over the years. And now really you don't see it <laughs> anymore at all. Thank goodness. Which thank is goodness. Good. Um, you do every now and then at a booth, they'll do something weird and they'll hire, you know, an actor or an actress to do something. And, but you, you know, it was, it's, it was just so sexist. And the only women that were really in the industry were either fighting to, in there to be heard or um, secretaries. And even the women who were fighting to be heard were the lackeys and weren't at the same level. And it's still that way. Most of the the bigger industries don't have as many women at the top, slow to move up. Um, most of the installers and the programmers were not women, although now you see more programmer, more women programmers and things like that, which is good, but those men still definitely outweigh it. And um, there is a group, um, Avixa, which is trying to get more women involved into um, the AV industry. And I think it's, been going but it's a slow go you're you still have the men who were in there when it was all this male dominated you know kind of like toxic environment and they're still in the industry a lot of them so it continues on and if the next generation of women it's really sadly well we have to hope that there's some men allies that are demanding this and seeing this um but it's so, really women demanding um, more professionalism just by being there. But it sounds like, Wendy, there are some changes based upon what you've said relative to, um, so the sirens are, are pretty much out. And so now it's much more product-based, uh, yeah. which I think automatically gives women a much greater opportunity to step up and provide product knowledge, which at the end of the day is what that sale is about. Um, and you and you said that you're seeing more and more women 
coming in and in smaller companies, if I understood what you were saying properly, then there are more women in more senior positions, which is breaking new ground for the industry. Even well, I, no, I wouldn't companies... say there's women in senior positions. There's more women coming into the industry, okay, and hopefully, not, still not like yourself in senior roles. Hopefully, you know, um, they'll be embraced and cultivated and allowed to rise. So you're really a trailblazer in this industry. I seem to always be in a male-dominated world, you know, since I'm a kid, you know, when I was sure. in kindergarten my and we moved to um, the house we were in in Creskill, my dad had a whole shop in the basement. It was like, well, here are the tools you can use when I'm not home. And if you want to use that bigger saw or this kind of thing, you can. I was like, well, can I use the vice grip? And, you know, so there were like all different tools. And I love the pegboard with all the tools hanging on them. And I'd sit there and I'd use the hand drill. I couldn't use the drill press when he wasn't there, but I could use the hand drill. And I drilled through the wood and I clamp it down. And then I'd look and I'm like, oh, look at the drill bit and look at the shape it made inside the hole and all sorts of like weird things that, you know, kids today don't get to just go play in the basement with nails and hammers when nobody's watching you and my mom was busy with the baby my brother Daniel and then one day my brother was down my other brother who's so I have one that's three years younger than me and one that's six years younger than me so the one that's three years younger than me was allowed to sit on the basement stairs and watch me work but he couldn't work you know so there were so there was a lot of empowerment in just being able to play with the physical things and mess around with them and and a lot of people don't get that opportunity, which, you know, is sad. But I think that that, from what you're sharing with us, that's absolutely helped build who you are and, and the expertise, obviously, that you, you bring to the company and, and lead the company with now um, because of having had all of those experiences. Is there any advice that you would give here as we're wrapping up to women who are entering this field? Um. I, I just went to this really great um, women in tech program in the city. They do them all over the country. And it was really wonderful. Um, it was wonderful to be in a room of high tech, you know, tech savvy women and all the trade show booths were all women talking to women. It was something so weird and unusual. And that's how, you know, the industry's Starting moving ahead and doing great things. And one of the best advice that I got that I haven't really done myself, but that I got from this woman that I happened to sit next to at one of the things, and then she was on a panel. She said, take inventory, write down what you're doing as you're doing it, kind of like a resume and keep those bullet points and keep like the date and what you've done and how you're doing and why you're doing kind of like a running resume, and sort of like a running log, because one day you may need that as a tool to say, this is what I've done. This is why I deserve this position. And, and to one, earn your way there, prove yourself. Mm -hmm. But then once you've done that, you have to ask in a professional kind way for what you deserve and not to just wait because it's not going to happen if you just wait and you hope somebody sees you. It happens in the male world that way, but not in the female world. <laughs> and I think that that is tremendous advice, Wendy, to share with our viewers and our listeners, because it's about documenting and then self-advocating in a professional way. And I think that that translates across any industry. So we thank you so much for sharing 
Crestron with us today and your experiences. And we wish you all the very best with Crestron as you continue. So once again, Wendy, thank you very much for being our guest on Women in Manufacturing today. And listeners, as you all know, we have several other podcasts available to you. Uh, in, if you visit jacketmediacompany.com, we have four other manufacturing podcasts, including Manufacturing Talk Radio, the WAM podcast, which of course you're very familiar with, Hazard Girls, which highlights women who are working in very unusual roles in women's industry, and also Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman, and he's speaking to guests on manufacturing and the economy. So until next time, we look forward to having you tune in again to Women in Manufacturing. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.